third hour of the program on this Wednesday. Don't forget, coming up tonight, a very special Bill Michaels Huddle. We're going to be live at the Wisconsin State Fair Park across from the Bud Pavilion next to the Cream Puff Pavilion. But it is the final night of Wednesday Night Live. Music under the stars. Picture perfect weather expected. Myself and uh, from Sirius NFL uh, XM is going to be our own Mike Clemens joining me out there tonight. So looking forward to it big time. Going to be a lot of fun. This evening, going to talk some uh, Packers football and hear more Packers football from uh, Matt LaFleur. Brian Gutekind's coming up here shortly. In the meantime, our buddy from Pro Football Focus, uh, at PFF underscore Mike, Mike Renner, joining us on the hotline. Mike, how you been? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. So this time of year has got to be crazy with all of the roster moves, the cuts, practice squads, guys moving around. It gets a little bananas, doesn't it? It is. It's been, I was literally just like, searching all the waiver claims, just trying to figure out who's going where and trying to get my uh, head straight from spinning with all these cuts and figure out who's actually on which roster right now. So is there anybody of note that's floating around out there that you thought, ah, that's a little surprising that they're, uh, that they're out there on the open market? I mean, it was insane to me that Alex Leatherwood got cut. That's the, one, the biggest one that really stood out. Um, because he was a first-round pick last year. And I get that he hasn't looked good. And to be fair, he looked awful. But, like, a lot of offensive linemen who have turned into good starters, even one on the Las Vegas Raiders right now, and Colton Miller, looked awful their rookie year. Like, offensive line is a tough position to transition to the NFL. So to not even give him another year of development to try to see, I mean, lucked out. He went to the Chicago Bears, unfortunately. Um, So lucked out for them being in a high waiver claim to be able to get a first-rounder. Not saying he's going to turn into something, but at least uh, giving him a shot, giving him you know more than one year and one off season to prove that he belongs in the NFL, give him a lot more. He's one heck of an athlete, so that one was the biggest surprise. The uh, the Packers today claiming the safety Rudy Ford off of the waiver wire. Now they're going to have to make a subsequent cut to to fit him in. But give me your thoughts on Rudy Ford coming into the Packers organization. Honestly, I haven't watched him at all. <laughs> I know he came out a while ago. Uh, so That's okay. My time as the lead draft analyst, so I couldn't tell you much about him, unfortunately. But I do nah, no problem. Safeties. I mean, they are thin at that position. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, well, that was going to be my next question. Uh, the Packers, obviously, uh, some of the secondary, they, they look great on paper. Their defense looks really, really solid, and there's a lot of people excited about it, but uh, the depth on this team, outside linebacker safety position as well, the de- the depth in that secondary. Um, after you get through that front line, a little bit concerning, isn't it? Yeah, and especially the secondary because uh, that's kind of just how the secondary works. It's like if you got a liability, that's where teams go. You, you know, they're not going to just be throwing at Jair Alexander um, if there's one guy who's a problem issue. Now, they don't have any in the starting lineup. You know, they'll be in nickel – so the cows come home with how good this this team looks when they are in nickel personnel. But if someone gets hurt, obviously, you know, like Jair Alexander did last year, you get one guy nicked up, all of a sudden you got a guy in there that you really don't want in there more likely than not. So, yeah, it's a little bit worrisome uh, how thin they are in that back end. Um, we did not get a chance to see a lot of Christian Watson, obviously, in the preseason. Romeo Dubs is certainly, and I thought all along he was going to be a guy that – and just in my opinion, I thought he would be the better of the two early on. But Christian Watson, there's many that are saying as soon as he kind of grows into his body reaction-wise and kind of gets it, he is going to be the real deal. Give me your thoughts on the uh, the wide receivers that the Packers have right now. And there seems to be the 
the the thought that the Green Bay Packers are not going to be able to move the football. I seem to think they're going to just spread it around to everybody rather than focusing on Devontae Adams. But give me your thoughts on the passing game and Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs coming into the situation and even Samari Torre. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is going to be probably the most diverse-looking offense that we've seen under Matt LaFleur and just the concepts they're running, where the ball is going to, because I think it's going to be spread as evenly as we've ever seen, and that's between the two running backs as well. Uh, so I do think there are options. I don't think it's as bad as – I don't think it's the sky is falling. They're not going to be able to move the football whatsoever. I, I'm more worried about if the offensive line is still banged up heading into week one, that to me is more of a worry than this receiving core. But when the offensive line's healthy, Rogers is going to have time. And Rogers with time, he's going to get an open guy no matter what. Like, I, I do think these guys are still good enough. And I am very impressed with what I see from Romeo Dobbs this preseason. Now, his ability to get vertical is something that you can't really fake. You, you know, what he did against the 49ers in that game and has done, you know, multiple times throughout the preseason and practice. Like, it's not easy to get open down the field against NFL corners, even if some of those guys are backups. Like, that's Eric Stokes, too, who runs a 4-3. So that's something that's not just a fluke out there, what he's doing. Uh, Christian Watson, though, on the other hand, like you're just behind the eight ball when you miss that much training camp. No one's there holding your hand, getting you up to speed, getting you acclimated to the offense. He's just going to have to figure it out on his own, and, and that's a worrisome thing for a guy who was already kind of a project coming out of a run-first offense at North Coast State where he wasn't getting a ton of reps, wasn't running a diverse route tree. I do think it's going to – I bet on Dobbs having far more of an impact this year than Watson outside of Watson just being – you know, maybe a vertical threat in some games. I just don't see him playing a massive role after how he started his training camp. The uh, the offensive line of the Green Bay Packers is still somewhat of a work in project. David Pactiari coming back, we're not quite sure as to when, if it's going to be the first game or second or third, but Elton Jenkins back as well. But the backups, Rasheed Wallace, Zach Tom, Ryan, uh, Sean Ryan, those guys uh, at least appear right now to be solid depth guys. Give me your thoughts on the depth of the Green Bay Packers offensive line. I don't even know if I'd call Tom a depth guy after what he did this preseason. Like I'd call Tom one of the best five. I think he should be starting at somewhere. And maybe it's not necessarily tackle if the two tackles are back healthy, but he was excellent at either right tackle. And I know he played left guard as well, but I, I do think that he was good enough this preseason, especially in pass protection that I think you want that guy seeing the football field. So obviously a great problem to have if he's not starting, uh, you know, having a backup of that quality, but, yeah, very impressed with him. Now, the, the other guys on that line, obviously Walker, you know, another guy kind of behind the eight ball to even make the roster with how much camp he missed. Uh, Sean Ryan was kind of always a project coming out of UCLA. I don't think he's a guy you want really seeing the field year one. That was kind of the knock on him why he fell at the third. But he is an unbelievable athlete, and, and I do think in time that is going to be one of your starting guards. But, yeah, Tom's the one guy to keep an eye on where it's like he was so darn good in past section at Wake Forest such a heck of an athlete the only thing was play strength and this preseason that wasn't an issue so uh, I'm a I think he ends up getting slotting in there somewhere week one uh were you kind of surprised at the Packers they cut Tyler Goodson Patrick Taylor they only went with two running backs and now granted I would assume they're going to float them if one if not both to the practice squad but were you kind of surprised that they took four tight ends instead of uh keeping that extra uh, extra running back yeah, because everyone needs a third running back, right? Like, with how often that position gets injured. And I guess that they had uh, Amari Rogers kind of rotating in there throughout preseason, and maybe that's part of the plan. But even just like an emergency running back, because 
two guys can go down in one game like that. Like it's it's not it's not uncommon to have your top two backs go down with how often that position gets injured. So it would surprise me if week one they're heading in to Minnesota with just two running backs. I just don't think that's a viable strategy that uh, I've ever really seen employed in the NFL. Uh, I know they're probably going to try to get Danny Etling back to the practice squad, but um, you know, there's always that third string quarterback, that guy that looks really, really good, and everybody gets excited and says he's better than the backup. Uh, I've always said be very, you know, kind of weary of that because they're playing against fours and fives usually, and guys that are trying to make squads that are probably on the outside looking in, and especially a guy that's got some some uh, you know some hops in the NFL that's been around a little bit. Give me your thoughts on Etling, and I would assume he's going to end up in the practice squad, but uh, who knows with so many teams looking at backup quarterbacks and needing good quarterbacks to begin with. Yeah, I got a good story about Etling when he was drafted by the Patriots in the seventh round. I know people who were in that room who didn't even know who he was. Uh, They were surprised that they even took him uh, because coming out of LSU, he really wasn't considered much of a prospect. So uh, Etling probably just, the guy you want in the room sort of quarterback, not a guy who I don't think is ever going to really challenge for your backup quarterback job. And like you mentioned, when you are playing that third string, that fourth quarter of preseason games, the coverages you're seeing, you know, like what you're seeing defenses do is about as basic as like an all-star game. Those guys are not up to speed on a full playbook. They are just out there seeing what they can do athletically. The coach staff is they're not running anything that you haven't seen a zillion times as a quarterback. So if you look good against that, well, you're kind of supposed to. Talking with uh, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. I want to look around the rest of the national or the rest of the NFC North. Now, you know, Ed Ingram gets picked up uh, for the right guard position over in Minnesota. They wanted to bolster their defense as well, so they tried to pick up a defensive end. They went with a linebacker. They they've gone with uh, some secondary guys at free safety and in the cornerback position. Uh, they've tried to upgrade things that they were starting to lack in. Last year, I thought Kirk Cousins played almost with MVP-like numbers for at least nine weeks of the season, and then there was a tail-off, but they weren't winning games. Give me your thoughts of the additions of the Minnesota Vikings, and because some are saying that the Vikings could sneak up and catch the Green Bay Packers in the division. Yeah, I think it's quite easily the best line they've had, I think, since they had Cousins. You know, the the bigger thing to me is, Christian Derisoff, their left tackle, and the reports coming out of Vikings camp about how he's looked this preseason because, you know, that was your first rounder last year. Obviously started to hurt, um, didn't even start the season, and then kind of looked all right down the stretch. But apparently he's looking like a real deal left tackle. And once you have two guys at those positions, him and Brian O'Neill, like that's going to give Kirk Cousins a lot more time than he's ever had in the past. So, yeah, I, I do think there's reason to believe, obviously, with Kevin O'Connell coming in there, that this is a team that's really – maybe it's not – you know, built to contend necessarily. Like there are still glaring holes, especially on the defense side of the ball places. But it's a much better roster and much more, uh, much built, built much better to win football games this year than they ever were last year. And then the team that I think is going to surprise a few people with what they did, uh, starting with Hutchinson as the uh, the first draft choice over there in the first round, and then obviously going from there, uh, the Detroit Lions, I think they're going to be a little bit better than what we've seen in the past. I, I don't know if I'm going to say eight, nine wins, but maybe four, five, six wins, and this team uh, plays pretty competitive and pretty close? I think they could get to eight, nine, honestly. And the worry is obviously that Jared Goff and his receiving core, they're not good. It's going to be you know QB, wide receiver combo, bottom five in the NFL and that's kind of how you win games as we're seeing across the league. So that's the worry, but top five,
five offensive line in the NFL, if not top three. I mean, this offensive line doesn't have any holes. It's fantastic. And the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson. He looks like the real deal right this preseason. But Jeffrey Okuda, you know, they kind of get back another top five pick. And going into a season where he should be good, and this preseason looks pretty darn good. Looked like the guy you expected at Ohio State. So if they get those two guys at two super valuable positions playing at a high level, all of a sudden this defense is kind of transformed. So, yeah, they're going to be – I think it's going to be kind of a ground-and-pound sort of – uh, you know, play to Dan Campbell's ethos there in Detroit. So maybe it's not conducive to winning a lot of games. That's sort of strategy. But I do think they will be competitive from week one to week 18. So, yeah, yeah the Lions are on the come up. Uh, the Bears, obviously not, but the Lions definitely uh, trending the right direction. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get to the Bears real quick, just for the fact that the Bears, uh, you know, their offensive line is relatively poor. They're trying to bolster the uh, the wide receiving core and give Justin Fields something to throw to. It seems like he's going to be running for his life. Defensively speaking, they've lost a few guys. They still have Roquan Smith uh, in the lineup. Uh, he was unhappy for a while without the contract. So give me your thoughts on uh, on the Bears and where they're at in this. So we'll call it a rebuild because that's what it is. Yeah, it, it is because just look at their kind of cap structure and they had the most cap space in 2023 of any team in the NFL, which means basically after this year, there's nothing on the books. Like they're starting from scratch and it's kind of what they had to do given what the last regime was mortgaging all the future picks, all the future contracts just to win now and obviously didn't win too much, too many games. So yeah, it's bad. It's a bottom five receiving core, bottom five offensive line. You're not really going to get to figure out a field as the guy behind you know, a situation like that. So it's not uh, going to look good offensively. I think you're more focused, you know, obviously outside Justin Fields if you're a Bears fan, but more focused on the defense side of the ball, what Matt Eberflus can do as a head coach, those sort of things. But there's just holes up and down this roster to where uh, it's going to be pretty ugly. And they truthfully are probably one of the favorites to get number one overall pick. Mike, great stuff. We'll talk again as the season gets underway, and we'll touch base and uh, kind of go over some of the guys that are and are not performing. I appreciate it, man. For sure, Bill. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Mike Renner at Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Mike. At PFF underscore Mike, the lead draft analyst, uh, kind of going over some of the roster changes, moves, and such. By the way, there's a couple of roster moves for the Green Bay Packers. They're re-signing the wide receiver Travis Fulgham. To their practice squad, it looks like Micah Abernathy is going to be let go and then most likely brought back to the practice squad as they got to make room for Rudy Ford, the safety they picked up today. So when we come back, Goody will talk uh, about this roster and the makeup of this roster. Stay tuned. We're going to hear from him coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Hey, the hometown rally's taking place this weekend. We all know that. This Saturday, from 4 to 7, Bobby Friss is in town. It's called Friss Fest. Going on over at uh, Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water on Okachi Lake. So, uh, it's Friss Fest. Stop in, and uh, we're going to be over there for a little while on Saturday before making our way down to the, uh, down to the Harley-Davidson Museum. 
So it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. But uh, if you're going to look uh, for some good food and good place to go, if you're not heading to the Harley dealerships, or maybe you want a break from the Harley dealerships, uh, stop over to Frisk Fest. Over there at Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water Barbecue presenting Frisk Fest this Saturday, 4 to 7. And it's sponsored by Next Level. Next Level, a, a good investment group. So uh, check out Frisk Fest and Smoke on the Water coming up this weekend. So Brian Gutekinst. General Manager for your Green Bay Packers, meeting with the media. Take a listen. I scouted him out of Georgia Tech, so just uh, what an amazing 10-year career. Um, you know, he did everything the right way. Um, you know, just a class act all the way. So um, if you have any questions about Morgan, anybody? Hey, Brian, I'll ask one more thing about him quick. Just what did you think about his versatility throughout the course of his career? I remember they put him down in the box doing the nitro thing. What do you think that said about him and just the different roles he kind of played for this, yeah. this team? Well, first of all, his, his willingness to kind of do anything we asked him to do, that was pretty impressive. When we drafted him, I mean, we, we kind of like Darren Sharper back in the day, we kind of thought he had a corner skill set as well. We weren't sure exactly where he was going to land, but uh, he was an unselfish team player, and he was going to kind of do whatever we asked him to do and, and do it with, um, with, the, with maximum effort. Any more questions for on Morgan? Gotcha. Um, just want to thank all the all the guys, all the players, for their hard work through this process. Um, obviously, through OTAs and training camp and uh, all the all the energy and effort they put into this. It's a really hard day to make these decisions uh, to get down to this this point. But obviously, we've talked a lot about how um, I look at it more at sixty nine. You know, we're going through that process right now. So, uh, but I thank their work. Uh, we had a really really good group this year. Uh, proud of the way they worked and uh, and what they did. I'll take questions. Brian, what went into the thinking to keeping only two running backs on the initial 53? Yeah, I think uh, it kind of goes to that 69 thing I'm talking about. I think with the flexibility uh, of the elevations and stuff, as we kind of started to, to break this up, um, we thought that was probably best for our football team. Just, um, you know, and as we get through this practice squad, having, uh, having some guys in the practice squad that if we need to bring up, we can. I think also the emergence of Amari Rogers and with doing some stuff back there, I think on game day, you know, can help us as well. So um, we, we have some flexibility there. So that was kind of part of the decision. On the, on the defensive line, what was the thinking there? Where if you look at the numbers and the impact, um, Jack and Slayton had more plays than, than Ford did. Yeah, that's kind of out of Jonathan's control, you know, how many snaps he gets. But um, certainly when Jonathan was in there, he did a nice job. And, uh, big upside with John with Jonathan. We're excited about developing him, along with the other guys. Hopeful, hopeful to keep those guys on the practice squad. Um, those guys have been in the league for a couple of years. Obviously, Jonathan, this was his first year. So um, we're excited about our defensive line group. We think it's very deep. Um, and if we have to dig into that depth this year, we, we feel pretty good about it. Mike wasn't here very long. What did he show you in that short time? To make him- yeah, I mean, talk about a guy that took you know um, took advantage of his opportunities. And I'll just kind of get this out here now. So we, we signed Rudy Ford um, today, and so we will release Micah today, and he'll go on um, on waivers today. Uh, we're hopeful to get him back to the practice squad as well. But um, you talk about a guy that took uh, advantage of his opportunities. I think it really goes to show a guy that had some opportunities early in his career, and it didn't work out for him. And uh, just getting himself you know prepared through the USFL and all the different leagues he played in. Because uh, he, he got here really late and hit the ground running, and every time he got an opportunity, he, um, you know, he, he certainly took advantage of it. So, Brian, you have a, obviously a good idea of your core. Do you bring guys in, even at the start of camp, with that relaxed practice squad elevations in mind that you're thinking, all right, we can look at this guy for you know, a month, and that, and that might be yeah. just... Absolutely. I think, you know, from the time I've, got, I've started working here, you know, we've tried to trim the back end of the roster as much as we can, you know, and take a look at guys. 
Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, so with, when I think I started, there was maybe eight practice squad guys maybe when I started, maybe even less. Um, now we have 16, so there's that probably more opportunities to do that, you know? So um, I think we're constantly looking um, to take a look at players, see how they fit within our culture, uh, within our team, and, and, and try to get better. What did Enabari show you midway through camp? Because it seemed like yeah. he just had maybe a bit of a slow start as a rookie, and then sure. a light came on. And what do you think he can give for you as yeah. depth on the edge? Like most rookies, I think the, the thing we're always trying to do is get these guys into a comfort zone, right? To, to know what they're supposed to do so that their talents can come out. And I think most of these guys go through a period where they're going to struggle. And um, sometimes they start out really, really good because it's just all instinctive. And then as the playbook gets heavy on them, they'll slow down. And then once they kind of start to get it, and I think that was JJ was that was exactly kind of what happened with him. Um, everything we saw in college started to come out near you know, that second half of training camp, and we're excited about him kind of being part of that rotation. Ryan, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned the upside of Jonathan Ford. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've kept, I think, all but one of your draft picks the last two years on the open on the initial 53. Is, is it just because you guys saw so much upside in all these guys and that's why you drafted it and you want to see it through? Is that, is that why your tendency is to keep these guys a little bit longer? I don't know if that's the reason that the, that's why we keep them. I think the um, certainly when we invest in these guys, there's a reason, and the you know however many weeks in training camp they're here in OTAs. That's that's a that's a part of it. But there's also a lot of work on these guys. Not only the draft picks, but uh, the undrafted free agents and even the guys we pick up off the street. I mean, we're we're watching these guys, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, investment uh, and time into what these guys are. So. I think you weigh a lot of different things, um, but it's not simply just because they're drafted. I think it's because of the work we've done on them and, and where we think they're going to be down the road. Specifically with Ture, what did you see in him camp that gave him an edge over Winfrey in that? Yeah. yeah, those are some tough calls. I think, um, obviously, um, I think you guys kind of saw, um, you know, Samari really kind of, you know, started to really kind of excel towards the, the second half of training camp. Uh, obviously, that last preseason game, he did a lot of really nice things. but. Um, yeah, those are tough calls. Um, you know, Juwan's a guy we're hopeful to get back to the practice squad because he certainly can play a factor here for us as well. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a tough call. But um, Tamari, I think you know his ability in the slot and his ability to get open and separate and some of some of those things really really intrigue us. Juwan is, is not Jake Kumro, but he's a guy that your quarterback likes an awful mm -hmm. lot and was pretty vocal publicly about that. Was the process and, and releasing. Juwan any any different than when you released Jake in terms of bringing in Aaron and consulting and getting his opinion? Yeah, I would say, you know, Aaron's involvement uh, is much different than it was back then. It's kind of constant, and there's many conversations go on throughout, you know, whenever, whenever he's here, you know, um, when he was here for the mandatory mini camp, and then even through this training camp, they're pretty constant conversations. Obviously, we, you know, um, he's kind of kept up to date more so maybe than he was back then. Um, and, and his input is, re is, is really valuable for me from the aspect that he has a different perspective on a lot of things than coaches, scouts, and anybody else in the building because he's in that locker room. So um, that's very beneficial to how we go about our business, and um, I'm glad that he's part of it. Um, so it is much different than back then. Right. How, do you, how do you afford that you liked signing him? Yeah, obviously Rudy's a very accomplished special teams player in this league. He's one of the better gunners in the league. Um, he's got kind of a, a speed and physicality that uh, we certainly covet. So. Um, you know, we were kind of looking at that situation uh, for a while. Um, a little surprised that he got shaken loose, but when he did, we just were, we were kind of ready to get on that. And um, so hopefully he, you know, he can get here and get acclimated um, soon. So you're not only on, on special teams, but then on defense as well. Along those, along those lines, Brian, just bigger picture, not mm -hmm. just forward, but how do you feel about what you've done personnel-wise for special teams this year? Yeah, I think we've done a little bit of things that might be out of character for us, you know, as far as some of the guys we've brought in that maybe 
um, don't play as big a role on offense or defense, but maybe they, they're, they're more heavy special teams players. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, we got to get better there to accomplish the goals that this team wants to accomplish. We have to be better. Uh, I think we will be. And um, we've certainly invested a lot in that, not only Coach Basaccia, but some of the guys we brought in. I mean, what do you give up when you do that? Because you haven't done it mm -hmm. as a team, Ted, et cetera. So I understand the upside of sure. hopefully improving your special teams. What's the downside? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's risk with anything, right? So I think, um, and it's this, you know, as we sit here today, this is, is one step. You know, our roster will continue to change this week and next week and the week after. Um, but I think it's something that um, we have not been good enough for a while now that we needed to kind of come get outside the, our, our comfort zone and do something different. Um, so uh, I'm very, very uh, hopeful that this is going to get it done, and I'm very I have a lot of faith in it. Um, but um, it's one of those things we're going to continue to kind of churn that to make sure we, we get that right during the season. Was Mason a no-brainer, or were there any lingering concerns? Uh, Mason? Mason? Yeah, we're, we're again, we're very hopeful Mason's going to be back on time. We still have a little ways to go. Um, so, you know, the plan is to bring Ramiz back to the practice squad and uh, have him there in case uh, we don't get there. But uh, he's progressing really nicely, and we, we, we expect him to kick game one, but we'll be prepared if he doesn't. What does it say about, uh, about keeping every one of your draft picks when you have such a large draft class? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, what does it say? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we got him right. We'll see. You know, it's very early in their career. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, it's just – we bring players onto this team in all different ways. Um, and um, we're not really concerned with how they get here. It's just what they do when they get here. So um, I'm excited for those guys. It's early in their career. Uh, I think there's going to be some guys in that class that really impact us this year and help us. Um, and I'm sure there's other guys that are going to take a little while to develop. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, the one thing about, you know, I think all these guys have to realize is that today's a good day for a lot of them because they made the squad uh, or the practice squad. But at the same time, I mean, you guys know how the National Football League is. This can be very short-lived if, if they don't continue to work and to grind and to do the things that they need to do. So, um, again, I think it's, uh, it's celebratory for them because they're, they're in the National Football League. Um, but that is very day-to-day -day in this world. How much do you, how you feel about Rashawn and Preston, but keeping five players at that edge outside linebacker position, do you feel differently about your depth today at that position than you did at the start of camp? Um, I think that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we had some guys with Rashawn and, and Preston and uh, Jonathan Garvin coming back. Uh, you know, JJ's really the only new one, and obviously Tipa's there as well. Um, so really four of those guys have been here, and we know what those guys are. And, and I think, you know, certainly some of those guys have grown. I think, you know, Jonathan and Tipa have really taken nice steps. Um, obviously Preston and, and um, you know, um, uh, 52 is they're real deal players. You know, so, um, you know, I think, for us, as we go through it, when Rashawn and Preston come off the field, um, those other guys just they got to hold their own. You know, whether that's on first and second down, or more in the run game, or if we need to spell them as pass rushers. But um, I'm excited not only with those that group, um, but the inside group as well. I think it's as a whole, our our linebackers with our inside and outside linebackers are, are uh, much more versatile and different than we've had for a while. How much did special teams kind of influence the, the bottom of the roster decisions with the fringe a lot. guys? And yeah, I think a lot. Is it more than, than in the past? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think really the approach heading into OTAs and camp and the, some of the players we tried to acquire um, was a little different. Um, it's not that we haven't always tried to acquire good special teams players, but I think there's We've always tried to acquire good special teams players that really had a role on defense. And our special teams players we acquired do have a role on defense, but they're already 
accomplished special teams player, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it was different. Can you quantify how many, without saying who, how many guys maybe made it specifically? Yeah, like, how, think, how large was that group? For yeah, you? I mean, there's a bunch of the guys that are here now. There's a bunch that aren't here now. Um, so there, there was a bunch. I think, um, again, our process is our process. Um, but as we went through, I just the just I think the realization we have a new special teams coach that's doing some things differently, um, and kind of looking at how he's doing things and maybe the things that um, he needs um, was a big part of every discussion when we were look, kind of looking at the different personnel packages that we were doing. As you went through the process, were you thinking that not only a different coordinator but a, a philosophical change in how you approach personnel and special teams was required? I think I think a little bit. Yeah, I think any any time you know you've gone a little length of time and not have the success that we've had, um, you, you got to be willing to change a little bit. So we certainly have. I wouldn't. It's not a an overhaul. You know, with the way we we go about it. But um, again, just a little bit more emphasis and willingness to um, to trade. Um, you know, that, that special teams uh, skill set for for maybe something else. Speaking of your process, within your process, mm -hmm. um, how is your process? as the preseason games have changed. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to say that it's like choosing a small school guy versus a big school guy, but you look at things differently when guys are doing stuff against twos and threes and there aren't many starters playing. Samori had a really good final preseason sure. game. There were some other guys that also flashed in the preseason that are you're just going to put on the practice squad. How has it kind of affected your view of those games? You, are you talking about just the three versus the four and, and well, how like, that goes? So, Tyler Goodson had a really good productive preseason, mm -hmm. but as you talked about with special teams, and yeah. you know that's not necessarily going to be enough to get you a roster spot right away. Yeah, no, I think I don't know if anything's changed. I think, you know, when we went from, um, you know, uh, four to three, and I think it was that's the right thing. I think you know I think that's enough for us. But at the same time, you really do value um, those preseason games because while practice is really important. And that is a very good evaluation, and the joint practices are great. Um, and the uncontrolled environment of a preseason game and seeing those guys make the decisions do really do help from an evaluation perspective. So, um, and that's what counts. I mean, at the end of the day, because you know no one's out there with you when when you when you get into the season. So, um, you know, I found myself wanting them, wanting that extra one. You know, we don't have it, and that's fine. But I think it's better, you know, for the players. But. Um, Nothing's really changed from how we go about it. I do think Matt's been really good about, as we go through it, um, understanding maybe some of the things we need to see to make the evaluations we need to make and, and making those changes as we go, which has been nice. Brian, are you satisfied with your old line depth, considering the obvious questions? And you've got a yeah. rookies that you kept who probably aren't ready to go. Yeah, no, I do. I like our group. You know, I think we get um, obviously we've got some very established players in that room, and certainly the uh, the health of the two tackles coming back, I think, is obviously a big thing. But um, I think that uh, we have enough depth there, um, and I really like kind of the youth and, and what their upside is down the road. But um, it'll be nice to get those those two tackles back, and it's been good seeing them out on the field this week. Two more, please. You said you're uh, hopeful for Crosby week one, but the way Ramet played this training camp, does that directly impact Crosby's status for week one a little bit? I think when Mason's ready to kick and he's fully ready to go, he'll, he'll kick for us, you know, and I think Ramiz did a great job while he was here. Um, and, and we're excited to get him back on the practice squad um, to kind of see how he grows as well. And I do think that if, if for some reason Mason can't go, that we have a very capable guy to go in there and, and, and make those kicks if we need. Could you, um, with all the talk about special teams, these specialists know that they're competing against guys on other rosters, mm -hmm. et cetera. 
are you going to go with Jack Coco then in the opener, or is that still up for grabs? No, not, that's the plan right now. I think Jack's done a really good job. Um, you know, he didn't have a lot of experience as a long snapper coming into this, um, and he's really progressed nicely. You know, I think he, he really he's a culture fit for us. I think he's done a really nice job with the things that that um, Rich is asking to do, and um, we're excited about you know you know him doing that. At the same time, I will say, uh, and this is not just that the long snapper, but we will be looking at all positions from from now to the start of the season and during the season to to upgrade if we can. That's kind of just business as usual. Thank you guys. Oh, thanks, guys. There you go. Brian Gutekinds, general manager of Green Bay Packers. I know we're late for a break. We're going to get to it. We're going to come back after the top of the hour. We are going to hear from Matt LaFleur. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back. If you're out and about this weekend, maybe you want to catch some music and you're not riding, riding a Harley, that is, or a, any motorcycle for that matter, because uh, we welcome all motorcycles to the motorcycle ride coming up this weekend. But maybe you're going to head downtown Waukesha. That's to The Nice Ash. Go to TheNiceAsh.com. Catch some music, maybe a little beverage, good cigar, good hookah. Whatever it may be, all you got to do is stop down there and uh, say hi to the entire staff. Trish and the gang and Kristen and everybody and the Joette, for that matter. All good people down there. But that's TheNiceAsh.com. See what they got going on. TheNiceAsh.com. A uh, staple of downtown Waukesha. Has been there for a long, long time. Uh, let's do this. We'll get uh, Matt LaFleur coming up after the top of the hour. I know we're running a little bit short here, but I want to go to Dwayne listening to us in Oshkosh. Dwayne, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, boy. A um, couple of quick observations i think most of this roster was determined by camp not by preseason games i i Mm -hmm. I don't really feel that because obviously we saw guys that looked great in preseason games and yet you know and except for maybe the 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 tackle from penn state um with the with the tight end situation i think that has a lot to do with the uncertainty of robert tanyan's health if he's going to be Robert Tanyan, great. But if he's not, there's nothing else there that's even close to him except Tyler Davis, more of a stretch tight end. I don't think Big Eric can get quite down the field like Davis can. I think it's an athleticism thing, and I think he does a little special teams. I like the idea that they ran the jet sweep with Amari Rogers, but I'll tell you one thing, Bill. The jet sweep kid is this Christian Watson. I think mm-hmm. I remember looking at the, the college stuff, but he had at least two jet sweeps that went the distance over 90 yards. I mean, this kid can really get out in the open field. So I'd love to see that avenue because it's otherwise kind of a it's a half glass empty. I mean, if Dobbs is a great talent, fantastic, but you didn't draft him in the second round. You drafted Watson. So I'm right. hoping they can really develop Watson, not only in the stretch passing game, but use him in other opportunities that are going to cause tension to the other side. And, boy, for him to come out and say, hey, basically we suck with what we're doing on special teams – so we're bringing in guys that necessarily may not be able to be good on the field, but they're going to be great special teams. That's a real change of direction. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. Now, the thing about Dobbs and, and Christian Watson, I thought Dobbs would be better this year. I thought he'd be more reliable because Watson, as they all say, has got to, he's got a lot of learning to do. He's got a lot of raw talent. Probably his glass ceiling is much, much higher. 
But uh, I thought they would use Dobbs early. And don't forget, they're not you know, some of the things they do behind closed doors. They're not necessarily going to show in preseason as well. So uh, that's yeah, another exactly. you know, kind of wrinkled all of this. Yeah, I, I hope Caleb Jones makes the practice squad because there's a lot of raw talent there. That that big monster, that big six niner. I mean, he is really raw. But he, I think he absolutely with football focus. He was like yeah. no pressures all preseason. Right. Yeah, and I just thought from what, you know, he was saying, Goody did, because, you know, the, the two running backs, let's put that aside right now. The kid coming off the pup list is better than both of them in mm-hmm. four weeks. He's better. Yeah. He's got more talent. He's got more birds. He's got everything. But if you do in the middle, they got Amari, and even, I hate to say it, Randall Cobb possibility, stick him in the backfield a few times. The biggest thing I want to see is I hope the heck if we do a two-back set, we're not sitting in the shotgun when we're doing it. I really right. want to see more, con, you know, more confusion to defenses. Are they giving the Dylan? Are they giving the Rod? You know, is it going this way with Jones and, and is Rogers over center? I mean, what does that mean? Because I think sometimes that that working out of the shotgun crap. I mean, you know when I covered the team back way back when when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, Lynn Dickey hated the shotgun. They, it's because part of it is, and I appreciate the phone call. I got to run here because we're woefully late. But the, the the thing about shotgun, and I've said this before, it kind of take takes away the thinking side of the defense. You're giving away part of it, what it is you're going to do. And I, I completely agree. Let's do this. We're step away. Take a quick break. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers have their 53-man roster and held a walkthrough practice with the new team yesterday afternoon. Some surprise cuts included the release of running back Tyler Goodson, who had an impressive training camp and reacted to the team's decision. Yes, most definitely. I'm at peace. Um, I think I've done everything I could do uh, just to put an impression on the coaches and just to up, up my game. I feel like, for me, the biggest thing I took away from this process is just be able to learn to listen. Um, and I feel like once you learn to listen and be able to get comfortable in the position that you're in and find your role, then you'll be successful at what you want to do. The Packers also released running backs Patrick Taylor and Dexter Williams. On defense, the team had some tough decisions to make on the defensive line, releasing newcomer Chris Slayton and defensive tackle Jack Heflin, who played in four games last year for the Pack. You know, it's football and practice is hard and all pros out here trying to make their impact on the front offices and try and make a team and just trying to improve and get better every day. Now the Packers struggled in the preseason on special teams on punt and kickoff coverage. They finally took Mason Crosby off the PUP and for now they're sticking with 23-year-old long snapper Jack Coco who was a walk-on at Georgia Tech. Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I think Jack's done a really nice job of everything we've asked him to do. I think uh, he's worked extremely hard. He doesn't get many breaks during practice. It's either Rich or Byron is, is on him the whole time. So He's done a nice job, and certainly he's far from a finished product at this stage of the game. He's still a really young, um, but he's handled everything we've asked him to do really well. That's the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. How we looking? Looks like uh, Jack Heflin's coming back. Etling's coming back. A couple of guys coming back into the fold for the Green Bay Packers. Coming up after the top of the hour, 
Going to hear from uh, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur. Going to be uh, going to be uh, part of his discussion. I know that yeah, he was supposed to speak a little bit earlier today, but I guess uh, Leroy Butler was there and speaking to the either high, either him or the team. We'll find out. But uh, the Packers keeping only a couple of running backs on the 53. They got both Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor back on the practice squad. Now, I know they can't officially sign until 3 o'clock today, but a couple of hours away, and these guys are going to be back. So it looks like uh, they have cleared waivers, and these guys are going to be uh, these guys going to be back with the Green Bay Packers, which I know uh, a lot of a lot of you are going to be uh, you know kind of glad to hear because as we had talked about a little while ago with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, most teams usually do carry uh, three running backs at the very least, at the very least. So uh, we know those guys are going to be coming back. So um, Cheddarball says Etling stinks. A career journeyman, move on. We don't have anybody else. So you look first of all, you look for a guy that's got a little bit of veteran hops. It's been there, done that. And let's be honest, if Aaron Rodgers goes down anyway, I think a lot of the season is gone by the wayside. So it doesn't matter who your third string guy or who your practice squad quarterback is. I think the hopes and dreams of all Packers fans go flat out down the tubes if indeed Aaron Rodgers goes down for any length of time. So I to me it doesn't matter. Sony Michelle looks to be heading to the Chargers, according to Ian Rappaport, as uh, some of these guys are being cut and uh, coming back then. But uh, Sony Michelle, I don't even remember that name from years gone by, but uh, he is he is now uh, back with um, the Chargers. And uh, this one is uh, from Kurt, who says, I think Goodson outperformed Patrick Taylor. It, it doesn't matter at this point. It really doesn't. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but okay. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't really matter because I think – here's the other thing. Don't forget, Kylan Hill is eventually going to come off the pup list. And when he does, he could end up taking that spot. Not only as a backup running back, but also, don't forget, he could end up being uh, the returner because he had showed a lot of promise last year before going down with injury. That's what he's primarily being used for. So I'm not I'm – not, not worried about that. Not worried about that. Um, this is from Mark who says, uh, any word on Danny Davis? I know there's a lot of Badger fans breathing heavy, but he's on the IR as far as the reserves go right now for the Green Bay Packers. So he still is in the Packers organization. He still is in the Packers organization. Um, and that's, you know what? Let's do this. We're going to step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Matt LaFleur heading to the podium. Uh, Gino says, is it 3 p.m. or 24 hours? Is my understanding was 3 p.m. NFL time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Central. That was my understanding as the way I read the rules earlier from the NFL. So, they're coming back. It's kind of like prematurely announcing a lot of these signings, but once they clear waivers, they're, they're yours if you're going to sign them. You just can't, I guess, make the uh, um, present the paperwork, so to speak, before 3 o'clock. At least that was the understanding. But regardless, 
back. Done. Coming up next, you're going to hear Matt LaFleur talk about his roster, about his day, and getting ready now and focused on the Minnesota Vikings. Stay tuned. Another hour of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.